On this episode of Resi Week, we talk streaming sports, the future of tomorrow, and LG's 118-inch magnet. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Rosie Week, episode 398, Stardom Young. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by three of my good friends. First, we have Mr. John Henkel. He's the director of SMB product marketing for Netgear. How are you, John? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Um, my kids gave me a minor cough. So when I cough throughout the show, it's not the normal cough. It's, it's this extra one they gave me. Um, someone who is also possibly dealing with a bit of a cough is Kat Wheeler. She's an account executive at One Firefly. How you doing, Kat? Good. Got COVID at the show, but I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, you're awesome. Like whether you got COVID or not, it's not, it's not a prerequisite. <laughs> I survived. And, and we got to meet in real life, which was awesome because we've talked for years. Yeah, it was fun. I was, I was glad I was, even though I got COVID, I was glad that I got to meet so many people that I had never met in person. Yeah, it's a blast. That's what makes those fun, those shows fun. Not not COVID meeting people in person like this fine gentleman, Mr. Giles Sutton. He's an SVP at Cedia. How are you doing, Jazz? I'm doing really well, Matt. All the better for seeing you and uh, excited to be here. You're, you're too kind. I love it. All right. We're going to kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro. How integrators can tap into live sports streaming. At uh, Expo, uh, they did a panel with a, a couple of executives from the streaming world, as well as some integrators, talking about ways in which we can help educate our clients on all of the streaming platforms and where all the content is because it has been bouncing around like crazy uh, these last couple of years. John, let me, let me start with you on this. Are we becoming, or, or do we need to become like the digital TV guide for <laughs> our clients to explain to them where the heck everything is? Yeah. I it's funny. I saw a post recently about somebody showing the TV guide and, you know, everybody under a certain age was like, what in the world is that? You had to go through that. We are kind of back to that world. Look, at this is freaking messy. It is not easy for those of us in the tech industry. It's not easy for nobody. Uh, is it, is it, is it pleasurable? Uh, and you know, I, I drop cable like everybody else, cord cutters. I don't know where to find stuff. So I think the point of this article is, and what we're talking about here is this is a value added service integrators can use to differentiate themselves and also help their customers. I mean, it's, they're helping them, but here's another way to create a little more value. We're here recurring revenue, you know, integration as a service. Have we used that one yet? That's why not? So there's another way they could provide some real value to people because it's messy. It is really messy. Kat, how, how do we manage this? Can, can we manage this? Is this one of those things? Because my fear when I, when I heard they were doing this, um, this education session, and then when I read the reports coming out of it, when I read this article, when I started thinking about it, I am dreading the phone call or the text message at, and I'll, I'll use two examples. Um, 
I was trying to find the Colorado, Colorado state game hmm. on Saturday night because I'm a Cowboys fan. So I love Dion, blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's been a zoo and I wanted to watch it at 11 o'clock at night. Me trying to find that game in Canada, no less was a pain in the butt. And I know that if I start to pitch this as a service to my customers, that's who they're going to text at 11 o'clock at night when they want to watch some random game up here in Canada. What do we do with that? I mean, that's an awesome question. It's a problem for me because I'm a soccer fan and I have to go through three different streaming services to watch the Premier League, the Champions League, and then all the individual cups, which are on also different platforms. Also, they're on at really insane times of day because of, you know, international time. So it's really hard for me. So I was thinking about that when I read this article and I was thinking, even as a service or a recurring revenue stream, you know, how much can you charge for that? Or is it just value add in what you're already charging? And if that's the case, is that even valuable at a like cost per employee per hour like rate? So my next thought was if you like, if you like, I have COVID, if you take it out even farther, the companies that have like that, um, that offer those services through like a one vision or a parasol is that something that could be built into that like they have that information for those customers and so maybe that actually does make it worthwhile whereas for a regular business it's just not it doesn't the price it doesn't yeah and, and i like that idea but i also come back to the like soccer is a great example um i watch a lot of golf and tennis a little bit of soccer um or football I did that for you, Giles. Um, I trying to manage even just my ESPN app to get the scores of the 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 sports I want to see. Yes, ma'am. Well, let me hit you with this one because okay. this is even better. Is it better to have some sort of training or videos or some such posted on your website? Because one of the, some of the things that the individual streaming services do that are great are like ESPN offers multi-view. So for things that are tournaments like in America, in America, you can watch four <laughs> different games. So I can watch the U.S. Open. I can watch college football and I can watch golf at the same time on my TV without any extra hardware, which is amazing. But nobody knows that you can do it. Um, so is that something? You know, my, my wife has learned very quickly to hate the streaming service up here called the zone, which has EPL, which has uh, NFL because it has multi view. So it used to be we would get home from church on Sunday and I would put on whatever game I was able to watch on cable here. Now that I have DAZN, I watch minimum of four games at a time. Oh, oh yeah. And they, they get you for it too. Um, but I watch four games at a time and bounce between them all. And every five minutes, which game are you watching right now? I'm like, the one with the yellow box. That's the audio. And we're bouncing. It's fun. Um, Giles, who's... Whose responsibility is this? To me, this isn't is technically not ours. This is this is the homeowners to figure out what the heck they want to watch. And I think that's the question of the article is actually, yeah, it's not been ours, but could it be ours? Should it be ours? I think that's the key. And I I like what John said is that could this could be potentially uh, bundled into a suite of offerings that is like a concierge ongoing service that um, an integrator offers a homeowner. So as part of like the discovery with the homeowner, you understand what their favorite, you know, football teams are or, you know, and actually you, you it's probably easy to aggregate this information um, and actually push it out as, as sort of regular communications to, to homeowners if they're paying for it. 
But I think we can all relate that this is um, a huge change to what integrators and homeowners have been used to. You know, we've always we've always sort of pushed historically, I'm speaking from an integrator hat here, pushed sort of cable and satellite because they're more reliable boxes, they're higher quality. But actually now it's almost impossible with like, like as the article states, there's some things that you can only stream now. It's impossible to actually get them on linear TV. So actually, mm -hmm. you're also dealing with a whole set of issues with making sure there's robust Wi-Fi around the whole house. It can cope with like multiple devices that can stream from laptops to mobile phones to tablets to anything you can think of. I mean, I had to try and solve this issue in my own place by actually buying a media player because it was just so impossible to just manage it all off my phone. I actually had to, it was, seems kind of crazy, but that's the only way I could bring all of the different streaming services in just to one place. But I think that's where really the, the integrator can help is just trying to sort of unravel and simplify all of that complexity. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, this screams um, like white paper to me. And then at the same time, I thinking from a, a baseball standpoint up here, obviously the, the blue Jays are kind of like the big team and they're on five different versions of the same sports network. Right. So like for the Americans think ESPN one, ESPN two, ESPN three, all through five. So we have like Ontario West East, blah, 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 blah. We have five of them. They play the same game every time. So you always know where to find the Jays until Apple gets their game on a Friday night. And then all this, and there's no, there's no documentation anywhere. Just all of a sudden you go to Sportsnet, it's not there. And there's no note that says, you know, the Jays game is now on Apple TV. So my son freaks out because he can't find the game. Anyways. All right. Let's change topics for a second. Uh, this comes to us from Residential Systems, Educating the Future of Tomorrow from Rachel Tyndall. Uh, it, it tells the story of, um, and forgive me if I butcher your name here, sir, um, Kyrie Andro uh, from Electris, who made uh, came into the business as an electrician and then added the AV integration side on top. What's really, really cool about this story and his kind of journey is that through the pandemic, he had a, a, a labor shortage and then discovered that when they were bringing in electricians, um, to work in the electrical side of the company, they couldn't do anything on the AV side and partnered with uh, the Waltham Forest College in London to create essentially uh, an AV curriculum to help educate those people. And then obviously he was able to hire some of them uh, and hopefully some moved on to some other solutions. Kat, is this an avenue that we as kind of local integrators haven't put enough value or time into getting out into our communities and being proactive about, Hey, this is an entire industry, not just a job, but this is an entire industry that if you're interested in some form of trade, this can compete with construction and plumbing and electrical and all of those other trades at the high school level, at the trade school level. Have we done enough of that? No. Um, I think, 
I think people have tried to do it or to do some version of this in a number of different ways, several different times, and it either hasn't panned out or it's trickled out and it's just never been, it's never, no one's ever stuck with it long enough to make anything happen. So I love this guy. I loved this article. I thought it was extremely encouraging. I want to find out how he was successful and I want to be able to scale it and repeat it. I think the one thing that we all know and everyone knows, uh, no one's found the right answer to is that we have a hard time hiring people. That's what all our integrators say in every survey that ever gets done. And that's their main complaint. Um, and, you know, getting that top of funnel or those people that that are trained in AV and want to do it is is huge. Um, so, yeah, I'm here for it. I think I think this is an amazing story. And I'm glad to hear it. Giles, this is similar to a lot of the programs that CD has. But um, and, and not to take anything away from that, CD does a great job in doing that. But how do we scale just like this one? This is fantastic, but it's a standalone, right? How do we scale this and find a way to make our trade be something that can go through, um, you know, your local trade school in, in, you know, small town, America, small town, Canada or France or, or, or wherever, how do we stop laughing at me, cat? How do we get through that and make, these programs something that is easily repeatable as Kat said well i think it's starting to happen i think with with uh, i mean case studies like this one um is become this is becoming more common we have our next gen toolkit which equips integrators with the tools so that's one way to um to for, for integrators to reach out to their local local schools trade schools um and, and colleges we're also licensing curriculum to um, some some education providers as well, like Lincoln Tech, for example. They're incorporating it into mm -hmm. their construction skills training. So that's what we're finding with a lot of the um, construction skills colleges is they, they want to bring smart home in as part of just a holistic kind of construction skills training program. So we're doing that as well. Um, uh, the other way we're doing it is through um, rate using our, utilizing the events that we have, like our tech summit events, for example, and actually having uh, workforce activations at them. We have 10, 10 students at the ones we had in, in SoCal, recent, re, uh, SoCal recently um, that actually was off the back of us participating in a career fair. So there's just there's different ways when we start to talk, tell, tell the story of the industry, um, students eyes light up. I mean, you, when I went to a career fair here in LA and actually, um, you know, we, we're presenting our industry alongside, you know, you know, security companies and um, not, not the security installation companies, but actually, you know, doorman <laughs> alongside other like these. And so we're the most crowded table because people couldn't even believe that this is what, you know, they can actually have a career in this. And, um, so, so I think it's creating sort of ecosystems in, in local areas is the only way that we're going to be able to scale this. It's, it's, it, integrators ha have to play their part. We have the, the education. I know that um, One Firefly have a, um, a, a new, pro uh, new program as well, which is helpful in terms of like placing candidates. Um, so I think it's just a case that it's like a multi-pronged attack, really, this. It's just, it, it's, it's, um, it's sort of, and, and the only way you can do it with the number of schools that we're dealing with and knowing how, our, how the, the size of our industry and the budgets we're talking about, it's, we can only do this together. We can only do this collectively. And that's why we created NextGen and all those resources is to, just to um, make, it, make it easier for, for integrators to do something similar to this guy. Yeah, that's fantastic. John, is there a, 
is there a massive gulf between a local integrator trying to approach a local college that does building trades and try to have a conversation with them about presenting something or to take it a step further, creating a bit of a curriculum where you could have, you know, a couple session course that's, that's an addition onto whatever program they're already working with. Yeah. Good question. For sure. I think this topic, there's so many things going on in my brain relative to what everybody's been saying. It's great. So I think to your point though, Matt, it's hard for an integrator to do that. It's not their forte really to go figure out a curriculum with a university or a, a, a some other kind of learning institution, right? It isn't there. They're open to it. Most people are sure they love the help and everything, but I think it is as much up to them. It's up to groups like Cedia, I think Home Technology Association, other associations to start working with the universities and not even universities, trade schools, things like that too, to get it done. Uh, for me, personal point, I, you know, I'm an old guy, first of all, I was, I was luckily enough many, many years ago to have a radio and TV program in my high school. We had a career center at our high school in Indiana, big opportunity for sure. That set me on my life course. I'm here because of that way back in 1970 something. Um, but that's, you know, and I've taken way different courses since then, but that's, what's got to happen is these, it's got to start earlier on grade school probably are already doing some AV, right? You know that every grade school has got TVs in their rooms. There's going to be that AV nerd, the projector guy, wheel on a projector in my day down the hallway, which I wasn't, I was a stage crew nerd. I wasn't the AV nerd for some reason. I was a radio station nerd. Um, I had a jazz show in, in high school. That's what kind of a nerd I was, right? Who has it? But those are the things that, that make it what it is now. It's like, th that's built into me. That's just DNA. I've been doing this forever. And that's what you got to have. Start early. And these kids, when they see the opportunity to get out there and companies like Netgear and many others, we have interns, we hire out, we pay our interns, which is also surprising to me. But we have internships every summer that we use in all parts of our country, our company. And it's that pays off dividends because often we hire them back again. But that's where it starts, I think. Not, I don't think the pressure's on the integrators in this case. Many high schools actually now have, I know it seems young, but many high schools now actually have career readiness teams and departments. And actually, uh, you mentioned Indiana. There was one actually in, in northern Indiana that I was looking at recently, and they, they're offering very similar um, sort of boot camp construction spaces to what I've seen at trade and technical colleges. So they're actually learning construction skills, running cables, plumbing, electrical, and that's at high school level. So you're absolutely right, John. I believe it is. It's a, it's a case of starting as young as possible, introducing this whole idea, and it's probably connecting maybe with those career readiness um, teams councils. And also to add on to, to your add on to my add on that a lot of people are not university people are not college students, right? They're just, they just don't want to trade. They want to, they don't want to study astronomy in, in college or something. They need to just get working. And also they don't need to make money sometimes for their family. So college isn't an option. So getting it started early is, is even more important. Is there something I want to touch on just before we leave this topic is you brought up interns and when I look at the intern opportunities that exist now that existed, heck, even 10 years ago, I don't believe those existed when I was in high school. How do you go about explaining or exploring or marketing your intern program to, to those local high schools or, or, or to those, um, heck, even elementary schools? Is there a way to do that beyond being again, like a multinational company like Netgear, 
where people know of you, right? I think that's an easy one for for me. I mean, it's easier to go that way. In other words, to go to the to the school and say, look, I got a place that your kids can learn some real world experience and have fun doing it because AV is fun mm-hmm. and we'll pay them. I mean, that's that's an easy conversation, it seems like. Yeah, I, I would think so. It, I know when we've done we've done some stuff up here and it's the paperwork is a challenge and I'll, I'll, oh, I'll yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> the, uh, the paperwork is a challenge. All right, let's hit our last story of the day real quick. This comes to us from CE Pro. LG is calling its 118-inch 4K magnet display a sweet spot for micro LED. This screen, they they showed this at Cedia. Um, it's a little pricey. Uh, at a little pricey, it's not ridiculous. Um, at almost a quarter of a mil, but uh, they say it hits a sweet spot between their 97-inch signature OLED. And of course, the significantly larger, um, as I can't find it in the article right now, but the the, the 145-ish uh, model. Giles, let me let me start with you on this one. When is too big too big? And I say that half in jest, but also in it's 118 at a quarter mil. I think this is the different, you know, there's a lot of standards, as we know, around home theaters versus media rooms. Media rooms are kind of like the Wild West. Anything goes, right? And actually, whereas a home theater, there is, you know, there are, there, there are standards and, and, and often you couldn't just fill a wall with a, with a screen like you could do in a media room. I think, quite honestly, it's, it is, I mean, it, I think we're going to see a lot more video walls. 2024 could be the year of the video wall, which is what I saw at, at Expo. There was just so many that are there. I mean, as they're getting higher quality, they, they can display, as we're seeing with like NFTs and video art, that has an application. You can almost sort of, just looking at it from the homeowner's perspective, you can almost justify it if it's moving into video artwork territory as well that expense is is probably a lot less than what 118 inch you know picasso is going to cost so i mean that's so just something to consider there is that actually there's probably there's a it's it these are more flexible you can watch lots of different things at one time which goes back to some of those mtv cribs that we all know and love from you know way back when where you could watch like you know eight different sports sports games at the same time so all the kids are like what is this mtv thing <laughs> yeah if we had points i'd dock you one for just bringing up nfts um john every time i see these every time i see samsung's the wall or sony's um direct view again i i love it i recognize that it is for the one percent of the one percenters that the average person is not doing this do we spend too much time as an industry talking about these ridiculous things or is it is it the um like the grand tour or the top gear effect of no one cares about the voxel they want to or i probably didn't even say that right um they i'm I'm waiting for giles because he's the only brit on the stinking show um but it's a lot of fun to talk about the ferraris and the lambos Is, is that what this comes down to it's some of that for sure but but um and and we suffer from that in case studies and the manufacturing side too where you know, what's impressive is the 487, you know, encoders and decoders that were used at this certain mall, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the day in, day out, I used three for this conference room, right? That's the day yeah. in, day out or for a home. But uh, I think in this case, what what is important is that those high-end installations, the more they sell, will drive the price down. 
right? So in the end, these 100-inch screens, it may be 10 years before we can afford them, or I could afford them. I don't know you guys that well, sorry. But um, it will come down. It'll help drive the cost of those down. And the manufacturers will make more improvements and changes to make things be better overall. So yeah, I mean, part of Netgear on the home side is reaching out to these same kind of houses for their mm -hmm. wireless mesh systems, for sure. And of course, on our business side for AV products too. But that will there's a fair amount of those people out there in the world. But I think overall, um, it's just fun to read about this stuff. Like you said, kind of the top gear thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Kat's actually got two of these from her most recent book. Um, how much do you like them? Are they, are they fitting the bill? <laughs> okay, here's the thing about the LED walls. I'm going to say something and it's going to be a little crazy. It might be the medicine. But I'm going to put this out there and I'm going to see if it floats. Okay, so you know how like you don't, when change happens, it happens gradually and then, it, and then all of a sudden one day it seems like it was always that way. What if we're seeing the beginning of a shift to these micro LED walls becoming the most common display in a home or a business or anywhere? Because of the scalability, the flexibility, to John's point, the price will be driven down over the next you know, 10 years, how, how people adapt to it. Um, but to Jaws's point, there's so many more applications and so much more you can do with these than you could do with regular displays. The color accuracy is crazy. So you can use it in like um, in commercial applications where colors have to be specific. But also um, you can, people are doing more with digital in their homes. So everything's connected. You know, when we talk about smart homes, people are putting data in their homes, their schedules on the walls, their calendars. We're starting to see people really embrace that, you know, with their refrigerators having touchscreens on them and all of those things. So if there was a place in the home where everything's, you know, displayed, I think, I think we're starting to see a shift to where families are I don't want to say more reliant on technology because we already are, but maybe that technology technology is aggregated somewhere in a home and it's displayed somewhere. And this is the way that you would do that because you can. And so I think we'll see that shift over the next couple of years and it becomes more common because to everyone's point, that was all we saw at CDM. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of where this, where that makes a ton of sense. Um, the principle of it becoming the, the start of the wave. My company does a lot of work in the house of worship space. For years, we never sold anything but projectors and lots of projectors and stacked projectors and, you know, blended projectors and all of these things. Once the video walls came out and became affordable and be, oh, sorry, they, they're not affordable. Let's re rephrase that for a second. They became obtainable um, and they became good enough to where you could uh, have a video wall and put it on camera. They started to be uh, adopted all over the place. And you have every facility size from, you know, 100,000 members overseas to two to 300 seat auditoriums that are looking at using video walls because of that point that they are so incredibly flexible. And you can do whatever you want with them. You can change the format. You can change the, dis the way it's displayed. You can break it up. You can do all kinds of things. And we're seeing ministries that are allocating funds that you'd never get for audio, for example, but they will do it for video because of what they can do with it, how artistic they can be with it. And I, as much as I don't see in the near future, um, these becoming prevalent in the residential world, just due to cost. I think if they can find a way to get that significantly lower, we'll get there. Like, let's, let's be very frank. We still have a ton of clients that'll balk on the price of a Samsung frame 
over the TV they see at Costco who are not necessarily like super cheap clients. They just don't justify that yet. So I think, I think we're a ways away, but it's, it's really interesting to watch. All right, let's leave it there. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Giles, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Cedia, where can they do that? Either email me, gsutton at cedia.org, or I'm on LinkedIn, Giles Sutton. LinkedIn, I love it. Kat, if people want to connect with you, learn more about One Firefly uh, or get any of your books, where can they do that? Uh, they can find me at One Firefly at kwheeler at onefirefly.com or cat at catwheeler.com. Excellent. Mr. Henkel, thank you, sir. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Netgear. Uh, where can they do that? So Netgear is easy, netgear.com slash AV. That's the best way to get there. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. So you can find me there for sure. Excellent. Thank you all again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter or, or X or uh, most other social platforms, including LinkedIn. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, Please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.